0: You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it the wrong way. This is Play-By-Play Play Cast, the world's number one sports media podcast. Wait, what? Okay. Nobody's fact-checking it. Just keep going. Here we go. Who the hell is Happy Gilmore? Got all
1: camera right john sure i did all right because the red
0: light was not on the podcast about play by play broadcasters for play-by-play broadcasters hosted by a play-by-play broadcaster
1: oh you can stick me in some kind of italian boat because that one is gondola
0: now from new york really all the big ones are from new york your host joe godet it's still joel yeah he will not be able to see very well cotton Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of Play by Play Cast. It is the podcast about Play by Play broadcasters for Play by Play broadcasters, of course, hosted by a Play by Play broadcaster, a professional development pod that dives into the tips, tricks, experience, stories, process, and preparations of some of the biggest and best Play by Play announcers in the business. On social media at PXPCast, or you can find me on social media at Joel Godet, J O E L G O D E T T. Shoot me an email, J G O D E T T at bsu.edu. Our guest today is Sam Levitt. He is the voice of the first year Amarillo Sod Poodles, a brand new minor league baseball team. Uh, But before we get to that, I did put out a bonus pod or a play-by-play classic pod earlier on this week. And it's something I'd gotten a couple of emails and a couple of tweets asking about and uh, went ahead and uh, did it. Rod Bramblett. Obviously, uh, the late voice of the Auburn Tigers passed away recently, tragically, in a car accident. And uh, I was lucky enough over the course of this podcast, about a year ago, actually, um, about this time last year, to have Rod on the pod. And we talked all about his love for Auburn and uh, the progression of his career, and we dove deep into the kick six uh, and, and how he called big moments like that. Uh, a really good conversation with Rod Bramblett. And uh, I did go ahead and uh, repost that audio this week. If you wanted to uh, go back and listen to it, I know uh, Sean Aronson on The Voice Behind The Voice was talking about how he had the opportunity to, to interview three of the four team broadcasters at the Final Four, this year, and and Rod was the one guy he hadn't gotten the chance to go back to, so if you're an avid listener of um, Voice Behind the Voice, and you had heard the other conversations with the other Final Four broadcasters, and you wanted to hear a little bit from Rod uh, Bramblett as well, uh, or you're just an Auburn fan, and you want to hear his voice again, uh, and you want to hear him talk about uh, his life and his career again, uh, you can go back and find that audio as well of course, Auburn baseball is in the College World Series. And if you haven't had the chance to hear the call that sent Auburn to the College World Series, Andy Burcham, uh, who has now been doing the play-by-play women's basketball voice and Auburn voice uh, has taken over for Rod. Uh, Dugo listen to the call that he had. It was a uh, it was a good call in and of itself, but also a touching tribute um, to Rod and to his wife um, after their passing for uh, a trip to the College World Series that uh, we all know Rod would have uh, 100% lived for. With that being said, let's dive into today's episode. Uh, Sam Levitt, again, is our guest. Uh, the voice of the Amarillo Sod Poodles, the A affiliate of the San Diego Padres, I wanted to have Sam on because if you follow him on social media, he is extremely active. And you see a lot of the creative things that he does in ways that he covers his team. And that goes to from different types of video to uh, you know pregame shows on the field. Uh, and then we dive into some broadcasting as well. Sam's got like the pipes of God. So we talk a little bit about uh, how he has worked to refine those and uh, how he works with his instrument on a day-to-day basis, especially calling the game every day over the course of six months a good conversation this week with sam levitt here on pxp cast
1: i think if sam levitt was a doctor i guess he would be on his residency somewhere or somewhere (laughs) in medical school certainly not sitting at whataburger field in corpus christi texas i can tell you that so it it would have been a, a very different life and different type of thing and i think that's the beautiful thing about life is you make decisions and You make choices and and you really never know where it's going to take you. And I think that's the beautiful thing about broadcasting in this industry, especially when you're relatively young and out of school and traveling and and meeting all different types of people. You never know where it's going to take you. So I think if you would have told me when I started my freshman year at Northwestern and I was sitting in chemistry class that (laughs) 10 years later or so, I would be in the middle of Texas and riding on the bus for 12 hours at a time. I think that would have seemed like a very far-fetched idea
0: why the switch well
1: you know it, you know part of the reason was you know I started at Northwestern and I was pre-med I was an EMT in high school I rode on ambulances I worked for a, a volunteer ambulance company called Belmore Merrick EMS on Long Island and then I also worked at City Field with another volunteer company and it was an amazing thing
0: like the baseball and City Field Right, oh, exactly. Cool. right,
1: exactly. So I would, I would go to Mets games and I was part of a volunteer company that serviced the stadium. So we would literally stand there and watch the game and deal with emergencies in the stadium. People got hit by foul balls. I mean, all kinds of stuff. I mean, you wouldn't believe. There were some games where it was super quiet and we would literally sit there and watch the game. And the Mets weren't very good at the time. It was, it was 2009, 2010. Nothing's changed. But I loved fine. it. Yeah, Yeah. It, <laughs> I loved it. I mean, it was, it was a, a way to go to games and, and an amazing experience. So that... That really precipitated why when I went to Northwestern, I was pre-med and I took chemistry my freshman year. Then I started getting involved in WNUR and the student radio station, and I really enjoyed it and loved it. You know, I'd struggled through chemistry a little bit that freshman year, and I felt it. I think like a lot of people do at some point when they get into this, I felt it deep in my heart, like it's what I wanted to do. I'll never forget and I've told this story before, but I did a show, my first ever show with WNUR was a show called The Sports Voice on Sunday nights at WNUR. I did it with a guy named John Rosenberg my freshman year, who uh, who was a year older than me, and I remember, and Joel, I'm sure you can relate, I came out with this sort of buzzed feeling from it. Yeah. A feeling I had never had before, and From that point on, I kind of knew deep down I wanted to do it, and it took some guts to say I'm not going to pursue being a doctor or the College of Arts and Sciences or whatever I was going to do on that end of things, and I'm going to dive into Medill and transfer into Medill at Northwestern and kind of go full force into it. So you know, just over time, it it became clear to me that it was my passion. It's what I wanted to do. I felt it down in my heart. Uh, I felt the tug of it like I think a lot of us do. And I went for it. But uh, what, what I did, you know, with EMTing in high school and, and going to Northwestern and meeting all the people I did from not being a part of journalism from the very start was really valuable. I think it gave me really good perspective early on at school and, and I think throughout this
0: whole thing. And you actually have like medical – Ideas when people get hurt in games, so you don't sound like a fool like the rest of us sometimes No,
1: I I leave the medical expertise to (laughs) the trainers and the doctors, but it was a very cool experience You know, it was it was pretty much my thing in high school Yeah, and it was an experience that a lot of uh, that not a lot of people get Working at the stadium was amazing. I mean working on the ambulances on Long island was amazing uh, and it's, a, it's an experience I, I never forget, and, and I think it makes me part of who I am and gives me a lot of perspective.
0: I had no idea, too, by the way. We, we have uh, professionally followed in some interesting, uh, interestingly similar tracks. I knew you were in Orleans uh, for one summer on the Cape Cod Baseball League, uh, which I, I did as well when I was in college. I did not know uh, that you also worked at Fairleigh Dickinson for a little while on the way. Yeah, it
1: w- yeah, the last couple of years when I was back home for a little bit, I did some games at Fairleigh Dickinson, a really good program, athletic department over there. Yeah. And I know, Joe. We followed each other. I don't know if you remember this, like the, but the, remember the first time we met at Northwestern Ball State. Oh my I goodness! Yes, LaCrosse. Do you remember
0: that? Yes, yes,
1: yes. Wow. You know, I think it. I think it was the W N I
0: T. Maybe. Oh, was it then? Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, think, you're right. You're right. You're right. It was it was the WNIT when Ball State played I think there. I so. Yeah, yeah. Lacrosse La- La was. That, that, now yeah. I'm dating myself. Now that's how old I am. It, there uh, may have been two. There may have been two. No, but <laughs> it was remember, definitely it was definitely the right. WNIT. Right. Because I think you showed Shrine me like Arena. the studio underneath <laughs> the bleachers before they renovated.
1: Right. That would make sense at the at the old Welsh Ryan Arena. We sound like dinosaurs now oh because goodness. there is no more old Welsh Ryan Arena. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. Um, yeah, it's a this is a small industry, man. Uh, I'll tell you that much. Um, the thing I wanted to have you on though to talk about mostly is I love like if you don't follow if you're listening to this if you don't follow Sam on social media, uh, he is like the Instagram king of, of all the things that he does and the creative things that he does, and it, it just like gets your mind spinning in creative ways when you see it. Uh, where did you? First off, did did Corpus Christi do the on-field pregame show before you started doing it, or was that a a Sam Levin invention?
1: They did. They did it before I started in Corpus Christi, and then it's something that I quite honestly brought to Amarillo. And it was something that they wanted me to do in Amarillo, and I think the things I did away from just play-by-play was a big reason, Joel, honestly, that I got the job in Amarillo. They wanted me to bring a lot of that creativity a lot of that enthusiasm to a brand new team and a brand new minor league city. But to your uh, bigger point on the creativity and the social media stuff and uh, the Instagram and the Twitter and doing different things and interacting and doing, you know, the pregame show on the field and, and doing all different kinds of content. You know, m- my opinion, that is in 2019, as a minor league broadcaster, you have to be more than a radio play-by-play guy. I think with the way that people consume content, the way people are interacting on social media, it's just a a bit of a different world now. And that's not to say that doing the games on radio and MILB TV every night isn't important. Of course it's important. And I put a tremendous part of my day in getting ready for that. But I just, I think people consume things so differently now that if you – only focus on the broadcast every night and the radio side of things, while it's extremely important, there's got to be some more than that. So that, when I got to Corpus Christi in 2017, you know, I was really lucky in the sense that the Hooks are such a good organization. They had so much set up already. I had so many talented people around me that helped me with so many different things. The pregame show, that was something they had done for a few years prior. I stepped into that. Uh, But I I do think I made it my own in a way and added some ideas to it. And it became a big part of what I did and a big part of the content we would put out on social media and things like that. And then I think really in 2018, I took the next step with it where I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to let it fly this year. And I I used to think, you know what, there's there's too much there's such thing as too much on social media and too much content. And I think last year in 2018, I, I had a reversal in the way I thought about it and said to myself, I'm going to let it rip and be super active and show my personality. I think that's a a big step for any young broadcaster is going from being the person you are on air and off air, becoming the same thing and showing your personality and kind of growing into yourself. And I thought last year was a big step for me in that sense. And, and it allows me to show my personality and and honestly, Joel, be me in a sense. So, um, you know, I, I that's just the way I think about it now, especially on the minor league side of things. And in minor league baseball, it, it's 2019 and the way people are consuming things and getting content and uh, getting your broadcast and getting things on social media. It's so different. And I think you have to operate that way.
0: How much, like, pre-op goes into the, the pregame show on the field, uh, like, planning-wise, knowing, like, having a, having a sponsor every day or a, or a yeah. guest every day and knowing what you're going to talk about and making it fun and interesting so that it's not, a, like... It was, I, I remember the one I saw where you, you drank the slushy. Uh, it was like the blueberry iced tea slushy right, thing, right. and I was like, "And I'm like, this could very much be a commercial, but it's not." Um, like, and and even if you go back to the Corpus ones, where like you learned how to do the floss on the field, like, right? How much time and energy and thought went into that to make it something that was interesting and entertaining versus something that you had to do every day
1: there's definitely a lot of work that goes into it. I'm lucky in the sense that both in Corpus Christi and in Amarillo, I have a lot of help. So on the sponsorship side, there are some times and certain days where the sponsorship team will tell me, Hey, we want this sponsor on it's their day. They're promoting this. We're going to have them on. And, and I say, great. And that can be anything from, A charity to a local organization to a tea company and and for example the the tea company is an interesting situation because we have their stand at our ballpark so they came on one day and and that's just an example of one where it's in the ballpark and you do that I also do a lot of reaching out especially in Amarillo now on my own I mean I've had local musicians that contact me or I contact them on Instagram they come and they do a performance Uh, I had the other day I had the park superintendent of Caprock Canyon State Park in the Panhandle, where, ironically, they are working with prairie dogs, which made a lot of sense for the sod poodle. So I had them come on. We connected on social media. I had them come on and talk about the prairie dog communities <laughs> at, the, at the state park. So it's a mix of everything. It's a mix of I get a lot of help. And on the sponsorship side, there are certain times where they help me and say we're going to have uh, these people on this day because they sponsor this, which is great. That's part of the reason we do it is to highlight the sponsors and the people that help uh Hodge town and the sod poodles do what they do, but also the point of that pregame show. And I think the same rings true here in Corpus Christi. And this is what I brought to Amarillo is you want to highlight cool things in the community. And I saw it as this first year team in this brand new minor league city in this brand new, amazing, beautiful stadium, an amazing opportunity to highlight the the amazing things in the panhandle and around Amarillo. So whether that's sponsors who are great and help us out and and obviously are a big part of what we do, or that's, you know, talking about Prairie Dogs at the, at the cool state park or talking about a local musician who has great music or a local charity, they're having a flag football game for, for an organization. I think it's about highlighting what's going on and, you know, it's an opportunity for me every day at a baseball stadium to make it a little bit more than just baseball. And that's the way it was in Corpus Christi. Um, I don't think what I brought to Amarillo was super, super different than what they do in Corpus Christi. And uh, Dominic Catronio, who who replaced me in Corpus, is doing a great job with the show now. Uh, it's about the community and and making it uh, more, more than just baseball, making it about community and, and what's going on in that area.
0: Whose idea was it to interview players uh, while getting your hair cut?
1: That's a good question. (laughs) It was, I think it was a mix of me, J.D. Davis, who was at the Hooks, and Neil Roseanne, who was at the Hooks. Uh, Two very, very talented guys. Neil is now with uh, Nashville, The Sounds. You know, I was very lucky in Corpus Christi, especially to to work with really talented people and creative people. And I would be totally lying if I said that everything we did in Corpus Christi and a lot of the things that I think helped me move up to amarillo that it was all my idea. It just wasn't. Uh, You know, I was so lucky to get help on the creative side, the idea side, on the editing side from from folks like Neil and JD and Brianna Santiago and Kaylin Smith, who were here in Corpus Christi for a couple of years. I mean, I I couldn't have done it without them. And quite frankly, their help to me, I, I think, is a big reason where I am where I am. And You know how it is. I mean, working in this, I think it it takes a village, you know, and um, in any situation, you have people that help you and and hopefully inspire you and and help you get better. And I've been really lucky to, you know, it's funny, I'm talking to you from Corpus Christi right now. And I was just thinking about Mm. this. I just worked out with one of one of my really good friends here at the stadium here. I mean, I've just been super lucky to, to work with really good people that I've become really good friends with and and are super talented. And that's helped me a lot.
0: Wait, you worked out at the stadium today? Uh, yeah, Joe, it's I nine a.m., dude. Cro-
1: I, I know you do that CrossFit stuff. Yeah, so not I- at nine a.m.
0: <laughs> on the road. Like,
1: <laughs> you got to get you got to get up, and Adam. It's that's a long fair. season, but yeah, we did. Uh, me and uh, me and Diana Sleep, uh, who's, who does a great job here. We uh, we had an early morning workout here at the stadium, so that's where I am right now.
0: Um, I have one more. Uh, where did you get this idea question from, though? And because uh, you you called a home run derby from like the water didn't you Yeah, from a boat?
1: Yeah. So it's, it was on the USS Lexington. This was last year in 2018 and the hooks did a really cool weekend where they became the Corpus Christi blue ghosts. In fact, I think they're doing it again this year. They may have already done it. I think they actually already did it this year where the the nickname for the USS Lexington, which is a famous landmark uh, here in Corpus Christi in the coastal bend. uh, It's tremendous they become the Blue Ghost. The nickname for the ship is the Blue Ghost. So one thing they've done the last couple of years as a promotional event and a really cool event is take batting practice on the Lexington um, on the ship and hit the balls into the water. So last year, we, we all came up with the idea that they would have the event up there and a bunch of us would be down in in a boat on the water. And of course, I got put into the situation. They gave me a headset, a life jacket. We hooked it up so where you could hear me up top we had fishing nets and we were fishing balls out of the water and I was down there reporting and it was incredible. I'm not kidding when I say it was one of the most fun days of my career, one of the most unique experiences of my career. And, um, you know, I've been lucky to be put in situations like that. And, and uh, again, the creative people here in Corpus Christi helped me with that a lot. Um, It was a mixed idea where where folks like J.D. Davis and, 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 and a lot of the people here, you know, had, had really great ideas and, I've always been one, and, and I don't think necessarily everybody's like this, but I encourage people to be. I think in this business, Joel, you have to have an open mind. And, you know, when, when people come up with creative ideas, you say, okay, let's do it. Let's try it out. What's the worst that happens? The, I dropped the headset, and it fell in the water, and it didn't work, and we enjoyed the day on the boat. So it, it ended up being, a, a, being an amazing experience. And, um, yeah, you know, that was an idea that, that they came up with as the uh, – as the event came together and as I usually am, whether it's doing that or drinking a sweet tea, or I don't know if you saw me get held up by the wrestler yes, the other day. I did. You you tell me what to do, and as long <laughs> as it's somewhat sane, I will usually do it. If it's for the fans and for the entertainment, I'm I'm usually down.
0: Was that a broadcast thing or was that a PA type thing? The
1: the PA on the boat, yeah. it was um you know, they gave me, they gave me like a gaming headset and it was, yeah, it it wasn't broadcast on TV or radio anywhere, but it was broadcast. They hooked me up to a soundboard on the boat and they heard me up there. So Michael, Michael coffin, my partner in Corpus Christi was on the boat emceeing. And then I was down below as essentially the reporter from the water. And it was really fun. And I, I never heard exactly what it was like up there. I saw some videos, but you could hear me loud and clear and the guys were taking BP off the ship, and it, it was an amazing thing. And I know they did it; uh, they did it a, a few weeks ago again, and I heard it was great again. So, uh, you know, really creative stuff. And I think that's what minor league baseball is all about.
0: What do you talk about from the water?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I guess I was talking about you know I, I, I ever it, some of these things are such a blur. I <laughs> guess I was talking about the the baseballs and where they were hit and scooping them up and we had all different kinds of people in in kayaks and fans by the water and, and by the beach and and did you interview baseball. kayakers? Yeah, yeah, I think one I did. I think I I interviewed one of the kayakers. Um, I can't really recall, but it was it was basically just a play by play from the water. That's it cool. was uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Um, Let's talk about the the broadcasting side of things specifically. Uh, First off, one of my favorite questions with certain types of people on this podcast uh, of which you qualify. uh, How long have you sounded like this?
1: (laughs) How long have I sounded like this? That is a very good question.
0: Were you birthed with great pipes? You
1: know, I think I've always had a nice voice. It's an interesting question, Joel, because, you know, from the moment I started doing this, I remember our first meeting at WNUR after I did my first ever game there. And there was a comment during our critique session about my voice, and I think it was Cody Dunlap uh, who's still a, a pretty good friend of mine, and I remember him saying, "Dude, you have like this golden and and I hate saying this about my own voice, but he said to, i'll say I'll tell you what he said.
0: everybody he said, come to hear how good I sound
1: no no he <laughs> said he said, "You have this really booming voice, and I said, Wow, you know it was one of the first games I ever did, and I never really thought about it but over time, you know, yeah, I mean, I guess I mean, I, I think my voice is nice. Um, you know, at the same time, Joel, and I think a lot of broadcasters go through this. I think it's taken some, uh, not some, a lot of work in harnessing and harnessing and figuring out how to use it and how to harness it. I think something I struggled with early on when I was in the Cape Cod League and in school and, and even my first year uh, at the Gateway Grizzlies and, and even now, every once in a while. I really struggled harnessing it and not sounding, you know, not trying to sound like Mr. Broadcaster. Mm -hmm. And here's the two, two pitch, And I think a lot of young play-by-play broadcasters struggle with that. And I would put myself in that category a hundred percent. I've worked with people, worked with certain coaches to try to harness that and and develop my own voice and sound more natural. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I will never say I, I. I think I have a good voice. Okay, you know, without trying to, you know, sound too, uh, sound too confident. I think I have a good voice, and I think it comes off well. Uh, but at the same time, I think early on in my career, it was about, you know, finding that that middle ground between, you know, knowing how to use it, not trying to sound too broadcastery and over enunciate. And I think that was a big problem for me, for a few years. And uh, it was about finding that natural version of that voice which i think has always been there and i think nowadays it i'm kind of there and, and you can hear it if you listen to me every night i think it's much more conversational than it used to be but you know i, I think when, when you have a big voice and, and i think a lot of play-by-play broadcasters would say this you have to figure out a way to harness it because i think there are a lot of people that have really good voices um, and then it's about figuring out okay how do i use it properly and sound natural and sound conversational and um, that that's always been uh, one of the biggest things for me is, is finding that middle ground and figuring out how to use it right.
0: What are the types of things you did in that process or, or what do you do now in terms of learning to harness or learning sure. to breathe right or vocal training type exercises?
1: There are a few people I've worked with. I worked with a lady named Jillian, actually, when I was still at Northwestern in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent my tape out to a few different people and a few different play-by-play broadcasters that were a bit older than me and a bit farther along, not a bit farther along, but were much farther along in their career than I was in college. And some of the feedback I would get was about over um, you know sounding more natural and conversational, so I realized pretty quickly, okay, I, I need to work on this. And so I, I, I actually, it was uh, it was Jordan Burnfield who does a great job and does a lot of, and, and you might know him, Joel. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he pointed Friend me of the in pod. the direction of, of this, yeah, of this uh, of this lady, Jillian. Yeah. And uh, in Chicago, when I was still in school, and I worked with her for a little while. She's great, on, by the way, for
0: anybody else that wants to. Uh, oh, you yeah. know her, Joel? Yeah, I, I, I worked with oh. her a little bit. Um oh, okay, great. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, you know we worked together for a little while and, and that helped me a lot. And, and it was very technical things, you know, Joe, uh, where are you putting your tongue on certain words and, and how are you breathing? And I still have a list of vocal exercises that I do every night that she originally gave me. Um, and I think not, you know, not that I'm perfect now, but I think that helped me a lot. And I also think I've worked with other people and, and there's a guy by the name of David Brody, Uh, Who who I worked with extensively for a while. And, uh, you know, David helped me, you know, not so much technically with things like where you're placing your tongue on your teeth and on the top of your mouth. But with just sounding conversational, I think that took me a long way as well. So, um, you know, I I think I think, you know, the the beautiful thing about this business, if there are things you want to improve on, you can. Do I think there's a, a bit of natural ability involved? And, certainly your voice is your voice and, and things like that play a part. Absolutely. But the great thing about this business is with reps and with the right work, you can improve a great deal in a lot of different ways. And and I hope I've done that and put the work into do that. Not that I'm a perfect broadcaster by any means. I mean, I have so much to work on. It's crazy. And I, and I still feel like there are nights where I'm like, Oh my God, I, you know, I am not good tonight at all. Why am I doing this? But I, I think we all feel like that sometimes. Yeah. And, Uh, If you put in the work, there's there's real opportunity to improve and and fix certain things that can be fixed.
0: Um, The exercises you do every night, is that like a pregame routine or is that like a maintenance deal or not necessarily in season or or, or what kind of regimen is that?
1: It's a pregame routine. I do things like a vocal fry. I have exercise you probably know, Joel, I have exercises where I breathe kind of belly breathe Mm -hmm. out of my stomach uh, I do alliteration with different sounds and words. I have always felt since I've started doing them like they really do help my voice get a little bit more prepared. And doing minor league baseball every night, for you know, this is my first year doing a full 140, 140 games. And I will tell you, I think it's put a strain on my voice that I have not seen before. There have been certain nights where there's been stretches of games in this first half where I, feel like my voice just isn't quite there you know it, it's still there I mean I'm not losing my voice but maybe it's not at a hundred percent and I think it's a mix of maybe you're talking every night for three four hours and that's a strain on it and not getting proper rest on some nights when we're riding on the bus for 11 12 hours so I think it certainly makes sense so I, I, I hope that doing some of that maintenance in the pregame routine um, you know, helps prepare my voice a little bit more, but it's, it's simple stuff. And I'm sure it's stuff you can find online. And, and if you look at what singers do, and, and, you know, Jillian, I mean, she has a singing background that I, I imagine it's not all that different from what she has, uh, singers do and performers do. Um, you know, again, you're using your voice as an instrument. And I, I think that's such a, a, a critical part of all this is, you know, no matter what your natural voice sounds like is learning how to harness it and how to use it and how to find that natural sound um, and taking care of your voice and, and doing those exercises, I think for me, are, are pretty important every night.
0: Um, have you ever had anybody walk into the booth on you while you were doing them and had to like explain what was going on? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I
1: <laughs> So I, I usually do them now, actually, as I'm walking down for my pregame show when I was in Corpus Christi, I would do them on the way through the tunnel and in Amarillo, I do it on my way downstairs, and I have many times had people walk by me as I'm going A B C D E F G H R, going <laughs> and they're like, what are What are you doing? And I mean, I'm not embarrassed. I say, you get ready for your job. I get ready for mine. This is how I get ready for mine. So, uh, yeah, people have caught me before, but I'm I'm never too embarrassed.
0: Um, how would you describe your style on the air?
1: That's a really good question, Joel. Um, I personally think I have a bit of an older sounding style, I guess. You know, I've always thought and people have said this to me before that my voice kind of has a, a more a more classic sound to it, maybe more old school radio sound to it. Um, I don't know what exactly that means, but, but people have said that to me before, you know, I think I, I, I think my style is this. I think I can hang with the traditional broadcaster, the, the old school baseball broadcaster. And, and I've learned for people like Howie Rose and Gary Cohen, who are just tremendous and, and do such a great technical broadcast. Um, I think I, I can hang with that, and I, I do that well, but I think I also integrate, if you want to talk about my style, I think I'm a mix of old and new. You know, the old the, the old school-sounding, traditional-sounding broadcaster on the radio doing play-by-play uh, with, with sort of big pipes, but also I think I've done a better job over the last couple of years of infusing my own personality in the broadcasts and also integrating social media and being interactive. I think that is one thing that especially this first year here in Amarillo, you know, has, has really stood out to a lot of people, uh, the new fans here and they've appreciated it is, you know, we interact and people tweet things at me and and questions and where they're listening from. And we basically have a conversation on air with, without them talking, you know, one way conversation and well, not one way. I mean, they're tweeting back and, and communicating. So I think from that sense, You know, I think my style is a mix of traditional and, and, you know, 2019 with all the social media and the the interaction and and working things in and out. So, um, you you know, I I think that that would sum it up for me um, as far as my actual play by play. I like to think I do a good job and do a technically sound broadcast and get excited at the right times. Um, and, and bear down at the right times and bring stories at the right times. I think you got to be a mix of everything and, and know how to, you know, baseball is such a different animal in that sense, you know how to ebb and flow and, and weave things in and out. And, and I think from that sense, um, you know, I, I think I do that traditionally pretty well.
0: How do you incorporate the social media? Like what type, what types of things do you use and how, and how do you balance it so that it's not, I don't want to say, I'm going to sound like old man yells at cloud. It's like, so it's not too much. um, But what's the right way to use it um, most effectively? That's
1: a good question. I think, you know, I've been of the opinion over the last few years that there's not too much. You know, I think early on, I think when I was at the Gateway Grizzlies, my first year in Corpus Christi, I was a little bit more timid where, you know, I said to myself, I don't want to incorporate it too much um but but that's really flipped on its head now. I mean, the way I do it is during a game I I look at Twitter a lot, probably more than I should. In fact, sometimes I'll I'll kind of put it away for a few innings and and come back to it later, but you know, look, I and I know maybe other play-by-play broadcasters wouldn't agree with this because they feel like you should be totally focused on the game and only the game and what you're saying on the radio and on TV. But to me, I think you need to look at at what's coming in. So I have my email open. I have my Twitter open. I have my Instagram open. I have my Facebook open and messages come in. People say where they're listening from, especially here with the sod Poodles. It's been an incredible experience. I, I don't have numbers to back this up, but I would wager, Joel, that we have as many listeners and viewers watching and listening to everything we do as any other minor league team just because of the fact that it's new and the fans are really, really into it, which has been awesome. So I want to interact with them, and and people will ask questions and have comments and and ask questions about the Padres system and about how things work in the minor leagues or just say, hey, I'm on my patio listening uh, in Vega, Texas. We had one of those last night, an email come in. And I give them a shout-out on, a, a on air. And, I, and, and believe it or not, I think that means a lot to people. You know, I think, I think we can become a little bit jaded almost doing it every night to realize how cool the job is and how much it means to people. I mean, think about the way that you grew up listening to baseball, watching baseball, and how much it meant to you. So for a, a first-year team in a new city and a new stadium and all these brand-new minor league baseball fans – you know, my goal has been be really active. And if that means having everything up and responding to every tweet and message and, and becoming part of the, part of the summer family in this region uh, then so be it. So, I mean, the way I th- th- to answer your question, I know that was kind of roundabout, but I would say it's just, I'm constant on it, you know, as the game goes on um, and as things come in, I address them and um, you know, and, and sometimes I ask for Q and a and things like that. And, and I try to interact. And that's a that's a big goal of mine every night is, is again, you know, to view it as more than just a radio play by play game, to view it as an interactive type of format. And and maybe it's almost more of a, a, a talk show type of format, even though obviously I don't do it like that. But, you know, let let the fans and let the listeners and the viewers become a part of the broadcast and what we're doing. And I think in 2019, uh, that's what that's what fans really want
0: feels like that's what like the Red Sox caught flack for in the offseason, but when done the yeah. right way, it works, if that makes sense. Absolutely,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Uh, again, and, and I, I hearken back to this point, I, I just think in minor league baseball in 2019, it, it's about more than the play-by-play. I just do. And I, I know, Joe, I there, there are guys that, that might disagree with me on that, but I think with the way people consume content, the reality is it's very rare that... Somebody is sitting down and, and I'm lucky. I know we, I have listeners every night with sod poodles that do sit down and listen to the game, literally wire to wire every night, broadcast opens, broadcast close. But I think the reality is most people aren't doing that and they consume it very differently. They're following it on their phones. They're looking at highlights on social media. Um, and, and that's the thing, Joel, is, is I feel like you have to be going the extra mile to put that content out. So whether that's the videos from the pregame show where I want that to be spread on social media or even things like, you know, look, I'll get off the bus sometimes at 5 a.m. in our new road city, screen record highlights on MILB TV from the road of a Sod Poodle's game, put my calls on it, and I'll have it out by 9 a.m. and put it out. And, and maybe, you know, maybe that's a little bit crazy and maybe that's a little bit too much, but I feel like that content and connecting people to the team and what's going on on the road especially is really important. So it's it's the extra mile of content and, and social media that I think, uh, in my perspective, is really, really important.
0: So I, I've seen an interview as well where you talked about uh, being able to do this from the ground up, obviously, because it's a, a first-time team. Um, sure. So I'm curious, uh, who put the radio booth down the line?
1: well that decision got made well before (laughs) i got there and got hired you know it's been an interesting experience we have a beautiful press box a beautiful radio booth and our radio booths are i'm not joking joel they are the size of an apartment i mean it's it's ridiculous they should not be that big they should have given the writer's area more space and the production room more space and there's no doubt about that but yeah, it, it is what it is. I mean, I, I would be lying if I said, you know, of course, I wish the press box was behind. I plate. It makes the game a little bit easier to call. But, you know, and I, and I think the guys that have come through in our league, whether it's Mike Coffin or Andrew Buckbinder or Ryan Roulard or or anybody that's come through our league and, and been to Hodgetown so far, they've loved it. Um, and it, it, it adds a little wrinkle. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly a little bit different to call the game from there. I mean, pitches. Inside, outside is hard to see. We're going to get monitors up there pretty soon, which would make it a little bit easier. Balls hit into certain parts of the field are, are hard to tell where exactly they're going and and what they're going to do. Are they going to drop? Are they going to be caught? Uh, I think the hardest thing, and, and again, I say hard. I'm not complaining. I have a beautiful new <laughs> press box and a beautiful new stadium and a great job in Amarillo. But I will. it, it is a little bit more difficult. I find the most difficult plays Or you're used to when a ball's hit, let's say, into the outfield, let's say it's, it's an extra base hit, and you have base runners rounding the bases, you're used to everything being right in front of you. And when you call it from essentially first base, your head is turned one way towards the outfield, and the play, the runners are, you're not looking at them. You have to whip your head back around and literally go back and forth. So that's a bit different. I mean, it's getting easier for me as time goes on. But it is what it is. Um, it, it's the way the ballpark was built. Um, I love my press box. I love the stadium. So I'm not going to complain about it. You, you, you deal with uh, with what you got. And it's certainly beautiful. And I have so many great things there and in, in so many areas that I have nothing to complain about. Uh, and the reality is, Joel, you got to make it work. I mean, you know, if, if you're going to come into a situation like that and just, you know, complain and, and moan about where the press box is. I don't know what to tell you. It is what it is. How it can we get Sam Sit fired down.
0: in an interview? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it It is what it is. So, um, no, it's, it's been great. I mean, it's a wrinkle to the ballpark, no doubt. I'm lucky that I get to call 70 games there. So I get used to it. It may be a little bit more difficult for the other broadcasters, but, um, I, I love it. I mean, it, it's, it's almost a little bit of a challenge and, and, um, you know, they they did such a good job at that stadium in so many ways and I've been treated, you know, just amazingly there in a lot of different ways. So I don't you know, yeah, it's a wrinkle, there's no <laughs> doubt. But um but no, it's it's been it's been fine and and we've made it work. So uh it's it's been good.
0: And I like that it's called Hodgetown because I don't know how many in the country there are, but there can't be very many that don't end in stadium or park or field. I know. It's
1: it's a cool it's a really cool place. I think uh, if anybody comes to Amarillo, if you find yourself in Amarillo, Joel, come on down. It's a beautiful stadium. The crowds have been great. Uh, it's unique. It's got that panhandle Texas feel to it it's an amazing place and and they did a wonderful job with it. And and the press box is great too. It's, it's down the line. Uh, But, but, you know, the other thing, Joel is there are a number of other minor league ballparks that have that now too. And a lot of the new stadiums I know in Las Vegas, I think, I think it's in a similar spot. So it may be the way things start to go and the trend that a lot of these new stadiums go. I know there are are big league stadiums where the, the press box and the radio booths are a little bit down the line. So you, you got to get used to it, um, you know, make it work. Hey, you worked in the Cape Cod Baseball League. Mm. Once you can call a game under the bleachers at Wareham, yes. you can call the game anywhere. And that's what he said. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Pe- people ask me over and over, isn't it hard to call the game from there? And I kept saying to people, in the Cape Cod League, at home, you know, at home, we were behind home plate, not in our quote-unquote press box. That's my with fault, by plastic, the way. With, with a plastic table, and plastic chairs. Yeah. And at Wareham, they put you under the bleachers. And in board, and you're YD. down the right
0: field line. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, you know, I think once you have that experience, you can call the game from anywhere. And, and compared to that, I mean, and nothing against the Cape Cod. But you know, I loved it there, and I know you loved it there. It is what it is. I mean, that's the setup, and that's kind of the deal when you're there. But once you have that experience, you can call the game. I could call the game from, you know, left field and, and really be okay, and you make it work. So it's it's all good.
0: Well, we have talked a lot about new media and social media. So uh, before I let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask how people can find all of said content. Uh, How do they track down Sam Levitt?
1: You can track me down on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Sammy Lev. S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. I do have a Facebook page that I use periodically, uh, which is Sam Levitt, if you search it on Facebook. I do have a website that needs to be updated a little bit. Uh, with all my new Amarillo stuff, which I got to get to when you know how it is when you play every day, <laughs> something slipped through the cracks. So that's Sam Levitt, S A M L E V I T T, on air.com. So that's the way you can find me.
0: All right, that is Sam Levitt joining us here on Play by Playcast. We talked about social media. You can follow him on social media. Instagram is the, the best place uh, I find to get all of his interesting notes and updates uh sammy lev s-a-m-m-y-l-e-v is uh the best way l-e-v l-e-v is the best best way to find uh sam there and then he mentioned you can find him on TuneIn or uh the m-i-l-b uh website or app uh until next week we will uh say goodbye seven days off see you next Friday this is play by Playcast. my name is Joel Gadet and we are out That will do it from St. Louis, where the score is inconclusive.